Hey, this is Sam Newell from Century 21 Everest in Utah. I'm a broker and I also have the Multifamily Investment Club where we buy multifamily assets across the country and the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. If you want to build world-class communication skills, you should be listening to the Art of Communication Podcast with my good friend, Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm talking to Sam Newell. Sam is the co-founder of the Multifamily Investment Club. They invest in multi-million dollar apartment buildings and drive double-digit returns. Currently, they own over $470 million in multifamily units across the United States. He's also in the top 1% of real estate agents in Utah, selling over $100 million in the last 10 years. And he's host of the Recession Proof Podcast, where he teaches us all his powerful real estate strategies. Now, we talk about the importance of strong communication skills in real estate and how he has leveraged them to drive his own success. We talk about how he's built his network from scratch and how he finds investment partners for these very large deals. And a key part of that is the importance of trust. And he puts a lot of focus on that. And how he, we talk a lot about how he assesses it and how he builds trust. And then finally, we talk about his keys to negotiating effectively. So overall, Sam is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to real estate investing, and he's also a very thoughtful communicator, and he provides some great guidance on how to succeed in real estate the right way. So Sam, thank you for joining us on the Art of Communication podcast. Super excited to have you on today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have a ton to share with our audience around how, how to communicate in the, we'll call it the high dollar real estate universe, right? How to negotiate deals, how to build trust with potential partners and, and sellers and who you're selling to and everybody else in between, right? So I'm excited to kind of dive into those things with you. Sounds great, man. Cool. And, and the first topic I'd like to dive into is, is really around trust, how do you kind of build the kind of trust needed with folks when meeting them in just a short period of time to be able to negotiate multi-million dollar real estate deals, right? Or build trust with a partner to be able to bring them into a, a large investment. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit of your thinking around that. Hey, really good question. And, um, you, you know, I, I think it's hard for a lot of people who, um, who feel like they're a salesperson. So I'd say number one, is stop trying to be a salesperson and just be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. And and so when you're talking to someone, let's say this this um, hotel I'm selling right now, people are calling me about it and they want to know the info. And really, if you're straightforward with people and you you don't try to sell something really really hard, but you're giving people data and and just being genuine with people, I would say being genuine is is extremely important because you know, you don't want to sound like the used card salesman where you're selling someone hard. You're only hitting the positive features. You're sounding way too excited and um, asking good questions. So, so I would say 
the number one thing that I've learned for communication and how to be a genuine good communicator is listening to what they're asking about, listening to their questions and asking really good follow-up questions. So instead of pitching you this hotel or or this multi-million dollar uh, apartment complex I'm trying to sell, I'm going to ask you what you're looking for and what questions you have. And I think people feel a difference very, very quickly. Rather than being sold, they're being asked about how they can be helped. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful approach, uh, really to be able to get out of your own head and listen to the other person. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ask them questions. Don't come in with your own agenda. It's hard to do sometimes, I think. Um, But but it's a, a really powerful approach when you can do it well. Most of us are pretty terrible at it. So uh, <laughs> most of us are waiting for to say the next thing. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next instead of repeating and affirming what the other person has, has said and thinking about how you can ask follow-up questions to better help them. And and instead of just, you know, saying what you want to say and spitting, spitting out your next point of view. So how have you made that transition to kind of get better at doing that? <clears throat> A lot of coaching and training <laughs> and books. And and it takes practice, man. So I, I'm not amazing at it, but I was terrible at it as, an, <laughs> as a salesperson, you know? So I got into real estate 10 years ago. And luckily, I had an amazing broker and I hired a real estate coach. And there's, there's a book that mm-hmm. I think everyone should read. It's called Versatile Selling. Mm-hmm. Very thin book, easy read talks about four different personality types. And I know there's other books on the same subject, but for me, it just made the most sense. And that in conjunction with this, this uh, acronym that, that my coach would teach me, it's, it stands for Make Me Feel Important, M-M-F-I, Make Me Feel Important. So, and, and you're saying that about the person you're talking to. So as a salesperson... I would just talk and talk and talk. I'd bulldoze people and I'd, I'd get an appointment and they'd stand me up. I'm like, well, hey, you know, I thought we had an appointment. Well, what I learned is I would just bulldoze people and I wasn't actually listening and asking good questions. And, and so my coaches made me record my sales calls, my sales presentations. And honestly, it was extremely painful <laughs> and uncomfortable <laughs> and not fun. And I still don't love hearing my own voice at all, even though I have a podcast. <laughs> but if you're going to get good at something or get better and not continue to be terrible, you have to practice and learn how to not be terrible. And so that's been my goal for communication for the last 10 years is to continually get a little bit better at listening and ask, asking good questions. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think a good lesson that it takes practice. Nobody, I don't think, maybe not nobody, but not many people are really good at it naturally. Right. It it just takes a lot of practice and a lot of self-awareness and a continual push because I might do it today, but tomorrow I'm going to completely forget to do it and be all about me again. And I I need something to remind me. Yep. Um, And I love the acronym, the MMFI. I think that that's great to kind of keep top of mind. And it really helps you put the onus back on them or the attention, I guess, back on them. Yep. So let Absolutely. me let me flip it then, and and so you're also making decisions about should I trust somebody in this multi million dollar deal? Mm-hmm. What are you looking for to feel good and confident when someone's communicating with you that you can trust them? I would say the same thing. I'm looking for them to listen to what I, my concerns are, 
and ask questions about those concerns and take notes. I mean, I, I've, I'll talk to brokers every single day and, you know, we're working on a $20 million purchase in Cincinnati right now. Um, different one than the one you and I were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And the broker just pit, was pitching me hard and I had questions for him and he kind of skipped past the questions. And I was like, all right, well, I automatically do not like this broker because he doesn't have the ability to listen mm-hmm. and, and follow up, you know, ask those follow-up questions. So I would say it's the exact thing that I try to do to help my clients. That's what I'm looking for in a salesperson. Have you ever any, any person that I work with? Have you ever kind of gotten it wrong and kind of felt like it was somebody that you trusted, but then it didn't necessarily go well? Yes. Um, <laughs> there are people that are very good at this for sure. who at the end of the day don't have great intentions. So integrity is very, very important to me. And I've had partnerships and people I've worked with who were amazing salespeople, very good at repeating, affirming, making people feel important, very smooth. And at the end of the day, had, had very, very dishonest or poor intentions. It's rare, I would say. It's, it's not, you know, most salespeople are just trying to help people and help get a sale and, and aren't dishonest. But yeah, I actually had a partnership and it, it was weird because you'd, you'd have a meeting, you'd work on something, you'd have this plan and all of a sudden something else would happen and, and it, it was pretty uncomfortable. So now with my partnerships, I take things slow and I tell them, hey, we're going to work together on, on a deal for the next two, three months. If I feel like you're honest and we work well together, we'll work on another deal. But I don't partner with anybody anymore. Or if I do, it's, it's very, very, with, with a lot of precautions, you know, a lot of precautions. And I watch them and, and it's a deal by deal basis because of that. So take me back to the beginning of your real estate career right? To do what you do successfully, you need a pretty extensive network. So I'm curious of when you were just starting out, how did you start putting together that network? Oh, I was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the second thing we've realized you were terrible about when you started. (laughs) Yeah. I've had to uh, just grind it out, man. I'm not a natural. I wasn't naturally good at communicating. wasn't naturally good at very much. I just, I'm persistent and I'll work hard. And, um, so I, I figured stuff out. But no, I was going to school for construction management. All my friends moved away. I decided to flip a house because I didn't want to go do construction just yet. I had one more semester left. My realtor said, hey, you got to get your, your real estate license. I had been doing door-to-door sales during the summers to pay for school, which I was, again, only, only reason I was successful is that, at that because I was willing to work hard and I was persistent not because I was an amazing salesperson. So anyways, I got my license and I started selling homes and cold calling and I didn't have a network. I knew a few people in Utah, but but most of my friends graduated and moved away. That was my network. And so I had to start building a network off of my neighbors around the house I was flipping and new friends and family and cold calling. Literally, I cold called every day, four hours a day for five years to get my real estate business going. Wow. Five days a week. And then like two Saturdays a month, I'd, I'd cold call. Wow. So it took significant effort for you to kind of get that network up and running. Yeah. And, and I think um, when you become better at communicating, as I was really trying to, I also really focused on customer service. I was pretty 
inexperienced business-wise. I was just fresh out of college. So I had to learn how to take care of people. It's not natural for me. I'm, I'm a very driven, straightforward personality. So yeah, just taking care of people, being honest. And that's one thing you can always control is how honest you are and um, taking care of people. And so the communication came and, and the network built that way. And and now I'm connected all over the country and, and um, have lots of great friends in real estate and a decent reputation, I would think. But I think it starts with honesty, integrity, and then just working hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, earlier I mentioned it kind of in, in jest, right? So we learned two things you were terrible at the start, but that <laughs> um, plus the story you just shared around having to work really hard for five years just to get up and running is something that I talk about a lot, but I think is important for folks to realize that you got to fight through failure and you got to fight mm-hmm. through the effort of getting something going. If you try something once and it goes poorly, that's pretty normal. You just, yeah. you can't give up. You got to fight through that. I think so many folks, they knock on that one door, they get a bad response and then they give up and then they never achieve their dream because they just give up way too easily. Most people cannot handle the boredom or the, the embarrassment or uncomfortable feeling of failure. And that's why they don't make it big. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So another important communication skill, I think, in real estate is around negotiation. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to be a successful negotiator. Yeah. So the best book I've ever read, he actually presented to a mastermind group. Shoot. Now I can't even think of the name. It's the FBI hostage negotiator. Chris Voss. Never split the difference. Yep. And that is Chris Voss. You know, Real estate school doesn't teach you how to negotiate, but it, it essentially you, you don't have to be this slick, smooth guy to negotiate hard. You simply ask really good questions. And one of the questions he would ask these FBI negotiators before he was their head negotiator, or that maybe it was the CIA, I can't remember, but he would say, he would just say, how can you expect us to do that? How can you expect me to do that? Or, you know, that just, that doesn't sound fair. How could you expect us to do that? And so you make people answer the question and they question themselves. And for me as a listing agent, when I have, you know, buyers or, or, or sellers, excuse me, I try to do a good job marketing and create urgency with the buyers. And I work my butt off to get multiple offers. If I don't have multiple offers, then you know, there's other tactics, but um, asking really, really good questions and creating urgency is very, very important. And it's, it's funny here in Utah, there's these billboards all over the, the interstate that say, uh, you know, list with us, we're a discount brokerage, don't pay a commission, you only pay $300. Or, um, you know, you just use your thumbs and your mobile phone, your thumbs won't, won't charge you a commission. And it's it just funny because those discount brokers never make it. They never hit it big. And there's been so many that have tried hard, but you just can't beat a really good agent who is experienced at negotiating deals. And so I don't know how to teach it or really articulate it very well. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking to a seller or a buyer, and honestly, when I'm talking to inexperienced agents, I win almost all the time because of my experience creating urgency and just the way I'm able to ask questions and, and express what my client wants. So these people that are trying to not pay a commission, typically their home sell for about five to 8% less than what they would with an agent. And then they're negotiated down from there. So they've done studies and tons of studies and they ended up 
saving the 6% commission, but losing more than that because of negotiation tactics or marketing or whatever it was. So it's very interesting to me that people don't understand the value of a human being fighting and, and negotiating on your behalf. And that's really where my value comes in as selling homes or selling hotels is knowing how to read people and negotiate with those people and, and save my clients or make my clients money. Really interesting. And for me, another thing that helps is kind of just taking the pressure off, right? You have a goal that you're trying to achieve, but everything isn't a zero sum game. Everything isn't, if I give up on this point, I lose or I win, or it doesn't have to be the high pressure. It's, about understanding each other and working together to the best fit for both parties, I think. And I, you know, I try not to get caught up in the emotion of it if I can help it. Those, uh, those are the worst agents. They, they call you screaming and yelling and thinking that's how you negotiate and drives me nuts. <laughs> that if it works, it only works once, right? You can't yeah. go back to the, to the water hole with, uh, with that one. Right. Um, but first, have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? I'll tell you, if you're a business owner, you absolutely should be. There's no better way to get your name out there, to grow your network, and really develop a relationship with your customers. I can tell you in the short time that I've been doing this podcast, I've already had conversations with top global influencers, Fortune 500 CEOs, and a host of other really cool people that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to connect with. But you might be thinking, hey, it might be really hard to do a podcast. I don't know where to start, or I just don't have time. But I'll tell you, if you work with my friends at World Class Media, they make it super easy. That's who I worked with. With their done-for-you podcast, literally, all I have to do is just record the episode and they do everything else. From end to end, including all editing and production, development of my intro and outro and music, my artwork and website, development of my show notes, and submission of my show to all the major podcasting mediums. They even created my social media cards. And they offer me coaching along the way as well to help me to become a world-class podcaster right out of the gate. So if you've ever considered starting a podcast, you owe it to yourself to talk to world-class media because I tell you it's a lot easier than you think. So just go to gregjrice.com backslash done for you to learn more about the done for you podcast service and to set up a free consultation. All right, let's hop into the show. So change topics a little bit. Um, you obviously do a lot of travel, super busy, have a family at home. I just love to get your thoughts around how to communicate effectively with the family about all the time you have to spend away and how to just manage good relationships with the family when you're so busy from a work perspective. Yeah, it's funny. So let's go back to starting as a new real estate agent. I realized I was terrible at communication and my broker was making fun of me one day because I was talking about my wife and and um, not disagreements we had, just, you know, we weren't communicating great. He's like, well, Sam, you're terrible with your clients. We're working on that. How about you work <laughs> on communicating with your wife? And I was like, oh, well, probably smart. You know, I, I realized I'm terrible at something and it's probably not just with my clients. It's probably with family as well. So what I realized is I needed to listen to my wife and ask her questions about what she was talking about. Instead of just blurting out, again, we go back to make me feel important. Instead of just blurting out what I had to say, even if I, you know, and this is what most husbands are pretty terrible at. They just say, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay, great. Thanks for telling me about your entire day. I wanted cliff notes, but I just got two hours of every aspect of your day. 
instead of being that husband who just sounds like he doesn't care, you could at least try to be interested in your wife because she's telling, talking to you. And so I've worked really, really hard about actually trying to care and then letting her know I care by asking her questions and follow-up questions. And um, one of my good friends, he's a big-time broker out of, out of Florida in Cape Coral, Mike Darda, sells a couple hundred homes a year. He and his wife just instituted couch time, which they get home, their kids are grown, they get home and they put their cell phones away and they literally just talk. No distractions, no TV. It's hard for my wife and I because we have two kids that are under the age of six and, and they're literally not in bed till nine and then we're exhausted and we go to bed. But I've really tried hard to follow Mike's example and just sit down and, and listen to my wife. And so when you do that as a couple, when you listen to each other, you ask each other follow-up questions it makes everything else a lot easier when you have good, good communication. So when I travel, she already knows why I'm traveling. She knows, she understands the financial potential of me traveling to Cincinnati for the week to do a couple big deals. She understands why we just bought a hotel in New Mexico and why I'm driving down there a couple times a month. And then we communicate about it. And so it's, I would say out of my friends, we have way better communication, just watching how my friends <laughs> communicate with their wives. I would say we have a leg up on them for sure. Most of the time, my friends' wives have no idea what they're doing. We're on a fishing trip. They're screaming and yelling at them because my buddies didn't tell their wives that they were going on a fishing trip. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I would say it starts with communication at home every day and, and making the other person feel important and, and showing it. Yeah, I, lo I love something you said there when you said that first I... You know, I focused on making it important to me. Then I started asking her questions about it. You didn't try to fake it. You really right. tried to get a, a feeling of, hey, this is important to her, so it's important to me. I think that that's critical if you're going to yep. do this as a um, as a lifestyle shift, right? Yep. You can fake it for one conversation, but you can't fake it for a lifetime. You can fake it with a few clients a day until you know them and you can actually have the empathy and the the connection, but you shouldn't be faking it with your wife because you're married and you're, you know, you've committed to that person. For sure. hundred percent. So tell me a little bit, shifting topics again about the recession proof podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I've been selling homes for 10 years, about three, four years ago, I was really doing uh, a lot of duplexes and fourplexes. I think I sold 106 properties in 2018. And, but I started getting nervous, nervous for my clients because I felt like we were getting near the top of the market and I didn't feel like anybody was being careful. I felt like everyone was just excited. They wanted to do deals, buy properties. They wanted to make money and they weren't watching the numbers. They weren't putting six months of mortgage payments away in, in a reserve bank account. They weren't doing these things that I was telling them to do. And they weren't doing things that we had talked about. And then they started buying deals that were less and less good. And, and it just made me nervous. And so I, I said, you know what? I got to watch the recession firsthand. You know, I, I was in school, but I, I bought a flip and I got into real estate and I saw the devastation it caused. You know, we really didn't start climbing out of it till 2012, 13, 14, when people actually started having equity in their homes again. And as a realtor, I saw that every single day. I saw the frustration people had when they couldn't sell a property or they could, but they had to write a check or they were only going to break even or they're doing short sales. 
And, and I feel like there's a lot of investors that have either already forgotten about the 2008 recession or how bad it was or what caused it or, or what caused people to get caught and lose money. Or I feel like there's a lot of people my age in their 30s who just didn't have a clue because they were at school or, or just in their new jobs and they weren't really affected. Or Anyways, I, I wanted to educate people on what caused people to lose money in the recession and how to avoid to lose money because you really don't have to make high risk investments to make money. It's really not necessary. And if, you, if you're taking big, big risks, I hope you're making amazing money. But um, that should be like your hobby money, your play money. I have a buddy that just lost a quarter million in the stock market. And he was pissed, but it didn't devastate him. That wasn't very, a ton of money for him. So if you're taking high, high risks, that needs to be your attitude. If I lose it, I'm not going under. It's fine. It was a gamble and, and I made, you know, I could have made a ton of money. But my type of real estate investing is let's build yourself a really, really low risk, high returning retirement portfolio where you can sleep at night when coronavirus hits or when the next recession hits. And so to, in order to do that, we really have to understand how people lost money in the last couple of recessions and what underwriting tactics and how we purchase properties in order to avoid making those same mistakes. Little did you know how relevant it would end up becoming, right? In such a short <laughs> I know, period of right? time. <laughs> it's, I mean, we've been waiting for the next recession. I don't know that, that coronavirus is going to cause a serious recession, but it, it, it affected a lot of investors and there's a lot of people that lost a lot of money in April and May. Yeah, for sure. How, how is your portfolio holding up in the midst of all the challenges? So we own one hotel and, and we're selling it um, because it's just, it's more management time mm-hmm. than the money it's worth. I actually really like the little hotel. It's 96 rooms. We dropped to like below 10% occupancy in April. Oof. And then the Nobody city knows it. us. We're really active with the city. The, it was a drug property before. We kicked all the riffraff out. We've been buying the cops lunch and asking them to come by multiple times a day just to keep the place safe. And so the city reached out and said, hey, we need to quarantine a bunch of people. Can you guys take care of them? And it's an open corridor hotel. And we said, yeah. So we're now we're at 100% occupancy for May. <laughs> and so... Luckily, we didn't lose any money on the hotel. Um, I know a lot of hotel owners have been crushed, um, but everything else we own is a very conservative multifamily deal. So we have a Dallas property. We're closing on a Cincinnati property. Um, I have my portfolio here in Utah. It was I collected 100% of my rents in April and May. So personally, I was unaffected on the cash flow side. I do know a lot of people that struggled because they either had luxury items or they had hotels or luxury properties or hotels, or they just don't have good managers that didn't do a good job getting ahead of things and, and didn't collect rent. So we're doing great and we're hoping for some opportunity to buy some good properties. But as a whole, I think residential real estate did really, really well through, through coronavirus. Interesting. And you brought up another topic I'm just a little interested in is kind of the ability to find a good manager, which I assume is hard to find and communicating a vision for what you want them to do and trusting them. Like, just tell me a little bit about that process. You know, just like anything in life, you know, if I'm going to, like I had a neck surgery, you can't really see the scar, but I had a neck surgery and 
I interviewed three or four and, and I said, I will pay the extra money to go to the best that I can find here in Utah. And so he replaced a disc in my neck and real estate agents should be the same. You know, um, I just, I'm not going to save money or go cheap on anything that really, really matters and your investments matter. So when I find a broker in a different city, I'm trying to find the best broker and I don't care if I have to pay him an extra 1%. I want the guy that's doing the most business that has the best track record and he's going to do the best job for me. And the same with property managers. I'm not looking for a deal ever with a property manager. I'm not trying to save 1% ever because they will make you or break you and they will lose you way more than 1%. So we've got a guy in Albuquerque who I love. I think he's the best property manager in the country. I don't own any property in Albuquerque yet, but I've toured multiple properties there and we just made an offer on, on something. And the current property manager, I think they've got it 80% filled or 85% filled. The property's losing money every month and they're like $100 below rent and they're just doing a terrible job. And so Bobby, this guy walked to their property with my partner yesterday. He said, oh yeah, this, this will be easy. We'll raise rents to 700 a month and we'll have 95% occupancy. This will be this will be easy project for me. So there's a huge difference between good property managers, good brokers, and, and I would say you just need referrals. You need to know what to look for and you need good partners to, that know what to look for if you don't know what to look for. So I, we, we search hard for the very best in every market that we invest in. Yeah, that's really interesting. And a dynamic that I hadn't thought that much about prior to our conversation. So appreciate you going into that. Yeah. So last couple of questions I try to ask everybody who, who I have on the show. The first question is around the fact that I really believe in the power of conversations. So I've been asking the guests on my show if there's a conversation in their lives that they can share that was really impactful uh, on the trajectory that they ended up taking in their lives. Hmm, that's a really good question conversation in my life i would say shoot man that's that's a good question i i would say so i served a, a mission for the more the mormon church mm-hmm. church of jesus christ of latter-day saints in peru and we were i was sitting down there's each area so there's like five different areas in the city of Lima, Peru. And there's a president over each area that has 200 missionaries and he kind of takes care of them, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're a bunch of crazy 19 year old kids. Um, so he tries to keep them in line doing what they're supposed to do, preaching, you know, the, the Bible every day. And I remember, um, I don't really remember what brought this up, but I just remember him looking at me. We we're talking about probably, I was one of the zone leaders and we were talking about some other missionaries not doing what they're supposed to. And he said, Sam, just whatever you do in life. And he said it in Spanish, Oz Tula Justo, which is a song. He's like, just do what's right. No matter what it costs you do what's right. And that really, really touched me and, and, and impacted me. And so when I've had these bad partnerships or clients or situations, I've always told my clients, I'd rather lose a commission and be honest with you, then try to sell you something that's that's not worth buying. And I feel like that's one huge aspect to my success is people know that about me. I'm a straight shooter. I'm going to tell you if something's wrong. And I'm going to tell you if, even if it costs me a deal, I'm going to be very, very straight with you and and probably a little bit too blunt, which I'm working on. But you know, do what's right, no matter what it costs you. I love it. I love it. And you can tell how it shaped your approach to everything that you do today. So that's awesome. Yeah. Second question, as you think about what you've accomplished in your life and all the struggles throughout, 
if you could have one communication skill in more abundance throughout that, that would have made it easier. What would that have been? Um, the ability to be empathetic with people. So my personality mm. is shut the hell up and do what I want you to do. <laughs> that's my personality. That's literally what goes on my brain every single day. <laughs> like you trust me, just, I know what the heck I'm doing. Just go, but you can't say that. And, and that's bad communication. So my ability to feel empathetic and help walk people through stuff and be a little bit less driver and, and a little bit less steamrolling over people would be fantastic. <laughs> a skill I think we could all use in abundance. Um, and, and the last question then, who's the best communicator that you know, either know of or know personally, and why would you say that about them? Really good question. And the best guy, hands down, is Mike Ferry. He has a real estate coaching company. Um, I have a Mike Ferry coach. He doesn't coach me personally, but I have many. I've had many conversations with him. And when you meet him in person, or or when you're on the phone with him, he has the ability to listen and ask really, really good follow up questions. Now, if you know him personally. He has the same personality style I do. He, he steamrolls people. And he's so driven. It's actually very intimidating. But when you're in a one-on-one -on -one situation with him, he calms down. He listens. He asks really good questions. He makes you feel great. He tells you good job, that you're awesome. And, and he, his personality is able to not change, but adapt a little bit towards, towards you to help you with whatever you're asking. So by far... He's the best communicator I've, I've ever, ever um, been around or, or spoken to. Very cool. Very cool. Shout out to Mike Ferry. <laughs> yeah. So last, last official question, I guess, is where can folks find you at? Where can they learn more about the great projects you're working on? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Facebook is, is easy. Instagram. So I have the, the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. If you want to listen to that, I interview a lot of people or some really great people about their investments and their strategies and and then Facebook, just Sam Newell or Sam Newell Real Estate. And happy to talk to anybody. You can message me and, and would love to talk about real estate or communication and and definitely appreciate you having me on the podcast, man. This is a really fun topic, really important topic. Yeah, thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. It's been great to have you. I think we definitely shared some great and valuable information with the audience. Um, around just how to trust, how to build rapport, how to go about things in the right way and, and how to negotiate effectively too. So I think a lot of great stuff. So thanks so much for your time. Awesome, man. Thanks. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.